If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. If God has used a seemingly insignificant event to change the course of your life, you have something in common with the Old Testament figure, Naaman. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares how an unnamed girl's comment set the stage for a miracle in the life of the mighty military leader. From his series on Elisha, here's David to introduce today's message, The Healing of Naaman. Well, this is one of the most um, familiar miracles of this portion of the Word of God, just filled with so many practical applications, and we'll get to them as we open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5 in just a moment. Friends, we are getting set for the reopening of the tour uh, that we do every year. We haven't been able to do it, as you know, uh, as many know, over the last 14 months, everything's kind of been shut down. But now... We begin our tour system in October. We're going to be in Tampa, Florida on the 5th in the Yingling Center. We're going to be in Jacksonville, Florida on the 7th of October at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. October the 26th, we'll be in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center. And October the 28th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickies Arena. These events are just so inspiring and so encouraging. And uh, this is a time for you to come and kind of get your battery recharged and, and get more excited about serving the Lord and be reminded that you're not alone, but you're with a lot of folks who love Jesus like you do. And uh, there's great music. Michael Sanchez will be with us and all of our band and, and singers. And we'll worship the Lord with all of our hearts and study the Word of God. And it will be a night to remember. So... These are the dates, and you need tickets. Here's how you get the tickets. You go to our website, davidjeremiah.org, and then go to slash tours. And when you do that, you will be looking at a, a ticket place where you can order the tickets you need for this event, and they will be delivered electronically to you, and you will have them and be ready to join us when we're in your community. Friends? This is the opportunity for you to invite your friends who do not know the Lord. Tell them you're going to an arena event. We'll have a great time together. They will hear the gospel. You can count on it. And give it an opportunity to receive the Lord. And then bring your friends from the church. Make this a time of celebration. Most of all, whatever you do, make sure you get your tickets. Do that today before you forget it. And now let's open our Bibles to Second Kings 5. This is part one of the healing of Naaman. Joseph was born in Tremolo, Belgium. He grew up there happy and healthy, in a large family. At an early age, both he and his brother decided that they wanted to be missionaries. And in 1863, his brother was sent to the distant Hawaiian Islands to serve as a missionary. But just as he was getting ready to go, he got violently sick and he wasn't able to go so you know, Joseph went in his place. Joseph arrived in Honolulu in March and took the name Damien for his missionary name. His first calling was on the big island of Hawaii, and there he spent eight years serving the people. 
A decade later, he learned of the need for people to serve the 700 leprosy victims confined on the island of Molokai. At the time, the Hawaiian government moved all those with leprosy to an isolation camp on that island. And Damien was touched by the loneliness and helplessness of the individuals there, so he elected to take oversight of the camp and make this his life's work. For the next 16 years, he lived in the midst of the lepers. He learned to speak their language. He bandaged their wounds. He preached to their hearts. He organized schools and bands and choirs. He helped build homes for them to live in. Those who had leprosy, most of them had no shelter until he came along. In 1884, he discovered that he himself had developed the signs of leprosy. They told him he should get out right away while there was a chance for him maybe to recover, but he refused to leave the camp because that would mean leaving the people he loved to take care of. For the next five years, he continued to serve the Lord with courage and joy, even as the disease spread through his body. He was 49 years old when he died. Shortly before his death, he wrote to his brother, who was still back home. He said, I am gently going to my grave It is the will of God. I am very satisfied and very happy. Today, as we continue our study on the life of Elisha, we're going to learn about another man with leprosy. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He was a soldier and a very successful one at that. He had all that life could offer except for one thing. He was a man searching for a miracle. Our story is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it takes us a few hours outside of Israel into Syria. There in the king's palace of Syria, we meet the commander of the Syrian army. He's a man by the name of Naaman. And the story begins for us in the word of God in the first verse of the fifth chapter of 2 Kings. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. It's easy to read right through that verse and skip over that in that one verse alone, there are six things said about Naaman that we should take note of. He was an important man. He was a great man. He was an honorable man, he was a victorious man, he was a mighty man, and he was a courageous man. What an impressive figure. Naaman was like the chief of staff of the army of today. He was a hero, a man who had won the honor and respect of an entire nation. In other words, he was a man of power, prestige, and position. The Bible even tells us that he was highly favored by the Lord. Did you notice the line that said, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria? But I left out the last three words of that verse, and they happen to be the most important for our story. Those last three words are these, but a leper. He was all the things that I've talked about. He was all of those great and wonderful things, except for one thing. He was a leper. How many of you know just one thing can ruin a lot of other things? When I was in my 40s and went for an executive physical one day, one of those deals where you go in the morning and you stay all day and you do all these tests, and at the end of the day they tell you whether you're going to live or die, one of those things. 
And so I got through my test, and I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and he was telling me how healthy I am. I've got good blood pressure and all of that. He said, oh, but there's one thing. We discovered that you have a mass in your abdominal cavity, and we need to check that out. I have to tell you that when he said that, I forgot all about all the good things he said about me. Didn't matter to me. I ended up in the image center across the street, and I found out I had lymphoma cancer. I was totally healthy, except for one thing. Naaman was totally great, totally good, totally successful, except for one thing. The Bible says he had leprosy. Now, we don't know much about leprosy. It's not a common disease in our culture. The most terrible thing about leprosy is that it deadens all the nerves in your body so that those with the disease cannot feel pain. They can walk into a fire and not feel the heat on their feet. They can literally destroy their own body because they cannot feel the pain that would keep them from destruction. There is bodily disfiguration and flaking and the loss of the color of your hair and all of that. So here's Naaman, the story's main character, introduced as a powerful man, and he's trying to get over this physical affliction. He is successful in his military career. He commands Syria's army, a unit that allows Damascus to dominate the whole region. His king praises him for his work. He exhibits courage. Only one issue mars his life. He's a leper. How like that is for many that you and I know today. They have everything in the world going for them. They've achieved so much. They have money. They have fame. They have prestige. But if you were able to analyze their life, you would discover that the one thing they're missing is they don't know God. They have the leprosy of sin, and sin keeps you from God. And does it make any difference how successful you are in all these other areas, how great you may be, how much you may achieve, and how far you may go toward your lifetime goals? If you get there without Jesus, nothing else matters. Naaman was on a death tour if something didn't happen. Now, the story gets very interesting. Naaman doesn't know what to do. He has no answer for this disease, nor does anybody he knows. But something happened that was very unexpected. Let me read verses 2 and 3. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife, and she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. In other words, she said, if only he could know Elisha, he would have hope. The commander and this captive girl could not have been more different. He's unclean, she's clean. She's a young girl, he's a great man. She's a servant, he's a leader. She's unremarkable, he is famous. Interestingly enough, we don't even know this little girl's name. She was kidnapped from her home in Israel by Syrian soldiers, and perhaps she's a teenager by now, probably is. Her story is tragic. She's been torn away from her mom and dad, removed from her siblings, taken into captivity, sold in a foreign nation to a wealthy family. But she was a witness in that family, as we discover. She pointed Mrs. Naaman toward Elisha and toward the God of Israel, And though her name isn't recorded and her position was humble, she had such an impact on that story that we're still talking about her 2,500 years later right here in this service. If Naaman was the hero of Syria, I think this young girl was the hero of Naaman's story. 
She was the bridge between his hurting and his being helped. Full of confidence and expectation, she speaks only 20 words in the whole story. But the great commander's life will never be the same because he intersected with this unnamed girl. It reminds us that sometimes God uses incidental things to change people's lives dramatically. So here we are. Naaman's sick. He doesn't know what to do. His wife's assistant says, if you could only know Elisha, my former master, you would be healed from leprosy. So Naaman received the young girl's message, and he went straight to the top. He asked the king of Syria for help. Here's how it all happened. The story is recorded for us in 2 Kings 5. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Syria told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing, and the letter to the king of Israel, which said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now, the first thing I notice about this story is that medical expenses were really high back then, just as they are now. In fact, the Bible says he took 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. And I'm not talking about the kind of clothing you get off the rack at a department store. This is the kind of clothing that you clothe royalty with. These garments were fit for a king. And if you add all of this together and try to put today's price on it, he basically was dealing with about $5 million. That seems like a lot of money just to go find somebody to heal you from leprosy. But have you ever noticed, no matter how rich people are, they will spend all of it for one more day to live on this earth. So here's this man leveraging all that money, and he's on his way to what he thinks is going to help him. Now, I have to tell you, the story is very intriguing because from this point on, everything gets all mixed up. I mean, really messed up. The servant who sent Naaman to Israel, and the letter that arrived, those things are okay. But the letter forgot to say anything about Elisha. His name was left out of the letter. The letter just went to the king of Israel, and so the king of Israel thought that he was intended to be the one to heal Naaman. And listen to what he says in verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes, and he said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. The king didn't understand it at all. What was he going to do with the leper? He didn't know how to heal anybody. And he thought that the king of Syria was setting him up for some sort of an argument. And the Bible says he was so upset, he tore his clothes. He is terrified that if he doesn't respond to this rightly, there'll be another war with Syria. And the last war they had with Syria didn't turn out so well for them. He said, I'm not God. I can't heal this man. But that's only half the story. The king, who was the king of Israel, the people of God, had forgotten that there really is a God in Israel who could cleanse the commander. He was looking at his problem and his power, but he was ignoring that 
Though he might not be able to do it himself, he knew a God who could. And that is a recipe for a meltdown. Whenever you try to take on the responsibility of God in your life, you're in a lot of trouble. Here's this man thinking he's supposed to be God. Nobody told him to be God. What a contrast with this young slave girl who was so simple and insignificant, yet full of faith and expectation. She had way more faith than did the king of Israel. And now what happens is very interesting because Elisha hears what has happened. He's not in the scene. He's off somewhere else. And here's what we read in verse 8. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be as white as snow, and you shall be clean. When Elisha heard that the king was all upset because he had gotten a letter from the Syrians, that the king was so upset that he tore his clothes. That was a significant moment. He went up to see what had happened. He said, what did you tear your clothes for? What is so awful that's happened? So then the king showed the letter to him, and he said, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't heal this man. Elisha said, you send Naaman to me, and he will know that there is a prophet of God in Israel. So when Naaman arrives at Elisha's house, he told the commander to go wash in the Jordan River seven times. To say that that was not a happy message for Naaman is the understatement of the Bible. He was offended by Elisha's instruction. He was an important man. He should not be treated like that. In fact, Elisha didn't even come out and meet him. He sent his servant out to talk to him, and he gave him this message. Now listen to what happened, verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abanya, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Now, this is really strange. If you want to be healed, you shouldn't argue over the formula. Naaman was upset because he wanted Elisha to heal him his way. He wanted God to do God's work, but he wanted it done according to his specifications. He expected the prophet just to wave his hand over him and cure him instantly. He'd get back to his schedule, back to his money, back to his success. And he was furious that Elisha sent him to the Jordan River. The Jordan was not a very attractive river. I've been there. I've walked in it. It's a dirty, muddy body of water. It was not cold and pure and rushing like the other rivers mentioned in the text. Why not some other river in Syria, he wondered. And the answer is simple. Are you ready for this? It's very simple. God saves us on his terms, not on ours. We don't get to write the rules. He's God. He has the power to do what needs to be done. But let me tell you, he will do it his way. Don't argue with him. Let God do God and let you be man. And don't get in between. 
I read this piercing quote. It says this, We are not so far from Naaman. We set up in our minds what we think God should or should not do. And when he apparently fails our particular line, we feel a sense of grievance. Naaman fits this mold, perhaps as we do as well. We not only want God's benefit, but we also want to specify the way in which he must bring it. So the sovereign God has become our little errand boy. I know a lot of Christians like that. God, this is what I want. I'd like to have it by next Tuesday. And God is not obligated to answer those kinds of prayers. God's ways are not always our ways. Do you know that? And sometimes, if we are honest, that upsets us. Thankfully, Naaman is redirected once again, this time by his servants. He's about to learn the path to healing comes through humility. Verse 13, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. When Naaman climbed back up on the shore after being down in the Jordan, he had soft, smooth, spotless skin. His leprosy was gone. He was clean. It was an incredible miracle. But listen to me, friends. It was not the most important miracle that happened to Naaman that day. Naaman was not only cured of his leprosy, he was converted from his unbelief. Notice verses 15 and 16. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. And they stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. On that day, when Naaman was cured of his leprosy, he became a believer in God. This is one of the great Gentile conversion stories of the Old Testament, along with the story of Rahab and Ruth, the Ninevites and Jonah. Naaman became a believer in the God of Israel. So he returned to Elisha, confessing that he had rejected the false gods of Syria and turned to the one true and living God. In today's language, we would say this was the moment the commander of the army of Syria was born again. This was the moment when he became a follower of God. And apparently he thought he had to pay Elisha back. He wanted to give him some of that money he brought along with him. And Elisha would have nothing to do with it. Because you see, this is not only a story in the Old Testament, it is a type of a New Testament truth. There is no sacrifice we can ever make to atone for our sins. There is no penance we can undergo to stave off divine judgment. There is no good deed we can perform to make up for our bad deeds. There is no love we can offer to win God's affection. On the contrary, the Scripture teaches us that it is by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Men and women, if we want to be saved, we can only come and ask God for the gift of His grace, freely given in Jesus Christ, and then we will have nothing to boast about so that all the glory can go to God. Amen.
Amen. Well, this brings us to the end of the week, and I want to take just a moment on this Friday edition and tell you how important it is for you to go to church. And uh, if you're not sick, you should be in church. If you're not in a vulnerable place in your life, you should be in church. And I hope you're doing that. God uses the church in this world to make a difference. And now with all of the craziness that's swirling around us in our culture, how we need to stay together as God's people and uh, put up a united front against the enemy who is seeking to devour our influence. So get to church. Tell your pastor you're there to help any way you can. We say to people at Shadow Mountain, three things you need to do. You need to come to church, you need to be in a small group, and you need to serve. I think that'll work for you, too. I hope you'll put it in practice. We'll be on television over the weekend, and everywhere you can imagine, we'll be there. On major networks, on local stations. Um, I should probably tell you that now uh, our, our weekday program is not only on the History Channel at 6.30 every morning, it's on A&E at 6 o'clock every morning. So between 6 and 7, you can find us. The teaching of the Word of God is the promise that God has given us that He will not allow it to return unto Him void. Be a part of it, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Elisha, the Double-Blessed Prophet, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2022, Moving Toward Hope filled with scriptures and images to encourage your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Elisha, the Double Blessed Prophet, here on Turning Point. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. Abraham Lincoln is regarded as America's greatest president for keeping the nation united in spite of a costly civil war. Perhaps part of his character is revealed in this statement. I am a slow walker, Lincoln said, but I never walk back. Once he made a decision, Lincoln never looked back. 
Jesus said something similar to those who wanted to be his disciples. No one, Jesus said, who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If you have made a commitment to Christ, keep looking forward. Rear view mirrors are never used in God's kingdom. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's views on commitment on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.